Welcome to Real Talk, Secrets to Success, a place where we get real advice from industry insiders on how to make it in the movie business. Today, I'm chatting with Luis Priggs Anderson, a Danish-born, Barcelona-based writer and director. Most recently, Luis directed and spearheaded a short film that was produced remotely with collaboration from eight different countries. She is also in the development stage of an anthology series picked up by a Danish production company. Hello, Louise. Welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Hi, Savi. I'm very good today. Thank you so much for joining us. To get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? So I am from Denmark. I'm Danish. Uh, but uh, 15 years ago, I had just finished an international film school that we have in Denmark. I had working for about a year in, in a production company, in a post-production company. And I had done, you know, my first independent short film and just worked in the business for a very short time. And so I decided that I kind of wanted to do something more and I wanted to see the world and I wanted to travel and, and I decided to move to Barcelona, Spain. And so that's now about 15 and a half years ago. <laughs> and I just, you know, I stayed there. I ended up staying there. And after, shortly after I had moved to Barcelona, I think it was about a, a, well, a couple of years after I went to New York and I studied at the uh, NYU, one of their intensive filmmaking courses. They have this uh, continuous professional studies that they do. And that was really uh, quite an amazing experience for me and got to get really close to the industry. And it was just like a, a great, great experience in itself. And I came back with my backpack full of, well, great experiences and, and contacts and a lot of passion and motivation for what I wanted to do. And so I came back to Barcelona and I was struggling a lot with the language in the beginning because <laughs> I didn't really know that much Spanish. And that obviously in that process, I guess I kind of lost a little bit some time because I wasn't really able to write scripts in Spanish or do networking, which is such a, an important thing. But, you know, with the years, I just started to get contacts here in Spain and I started working on a little bit as a freelancer, as an editor and uh, videographer and director with my own clients and projects. And then I got into some production companies as well as assistant. And I did a couple of more short films. I did some short films in the States as well. And yeah, so th that's a little bit about my background. I did some studies here in Barcelona. I've basically always wanted to work in the film industry as a film director for fiction films. So that's always what I've been really focused on. But uh, as everyone know, it's, <laughs> it's a struggle and there isn't just one way to get there. There are many different paths. And yeah, so I still feel like I'm on my path to that direction. Tell me a little bit more about your time in New York. Did you have any, did you direct any shorts? Did you have contact with anyone in particular that, you know, acted as a mentor or gave you any really good advice that you've carried with you? Yeah, so I did a um, intensive filmmaking course in 16 millimeter film. So we got to work with film and, you know, we got to learn how to uh, change the film and everything that's involved with that process. And we did each our own project. So I did a short film there. I wrote and directed. 
And after the school was over, after the course was over, I stayed for a couple of weeks more. And we did, some of us did a, another project, another short film that we did independently, which, and this is kind of a curious story. And it's a very good uh, lesson also to people. We shot a short film in the underground of, well, in, in, in New York. And it was, it was a great little story with, I think it was five different actresses. And I was quite excited for this because obviously coming from Europe and you go and you film something in New York and it has the underground and it has the streets. And so it was a nice project for me. And I was very excited to, to put this project together. Now, what happened was that the girl that wrote the, the script, she asked me to direct her film or to direct her script. And she said, with one condition, I want to edit it. And I said, okay, let, let's do that. And so when we were done, I handed her all the material. And because I was going home to Barcelona after this, and my suitcases were just completely full, there was no way that I could have also a hard drive with me. So I didn't bring a backup disc <laughs> back to Barcelona. And I actually never heard back from her again. And trust me, I have tried. I have tried. <laughs> I kept calling her and contacting her and writing emails. And this was back in 2008. So social media was not that present. It wasn't like you could just write someone on Facebook or so. Yeah, so it's a good lesson because those things happen for some reason. I don't know why she disappeared. I don't know why she didn't. You know, it must have been in her interest as well to make and, and edit this film but for whatever reason I never got to hear back from her and I never got the project finished so the the lesson here is always keep a backup <laughs> that is a, a very good thing to do when you're working on whatever project always make sure especially if you're the director that you keep a, a copy for yourself and yes, to further answer your question, I did feel like through that school, we had a great teacher that's called Gary Gaskard. He was also a great mentor and really kind of showed us what the industry looked like. And what was really quite surprising to me was that you got a lot of respect from industry people, even as a student. You know, they would treat you with respect and as someone who you know, who's aspiring to um, be a filmmaker and work in the industry and they wouldn't treat you like a stupid little kid or, or a student, they would treat you as a professional. And I also very much felt like if you put hard work into a project, you will be rewarded. That's my experience. That's what I take from New York. My experience in New York was that people will reward you, reward you if you put in the hard work. And unfortunately, that's not always the experience I have here in Barcelona, which has been a big struggle for me. That was actually what I was going to ask you next. How does the industry in Barcelona, in your experience, compare to the industry in the U.S.? Right. So I couldn't tell you 100% because I don't feel like I am working in the industry in Barcelona. I have done a lot of different things. but never at a level where I could say, oh, this is how the industry works. What I can say is that both when I was in New York and now during the pandemic, when I've been, uh, where I have been networking a lot internationally and especially with people from Los Angeles, it has been a lot 
quote unquote easier to talk to people and get into kind of do that network and meet people and make them take you seriously than it has been for me here in Barcelona. And that's actually living here in Barcelona. So there is sometimes a little bit of a language barrier there because uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but in Barcelona, we are in a state called Catalonia and Catalonia actually has their own language. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, there is, uh, especially in the recent years, there's a lot of politics around this and a lot of people who wants to be independent. So there's a lot of focus on Catalan and, and also in the film business. Now, I'm not saying that you can't get into the business because of the language, because that would just be a bad excuse. But it is true that it sometimes can be a little bit harder to network or, you know, get inside. <laughs> If you don't speak Catalan, there is that factor. And, and also just things like if you go to a networking event and you go to over to a group and you kind of want to introduce yourself and then everyone is speaking in Catalan, <laughs> those kind of things can just be hard to confront, you know? And then even if you know some Catalan, you might not speak it very well. So that makes you insecure. And if you're already feeling sort of alone and insecure at a networking event, then try adding having to speak in a completely different language to that so there's that side of it yeah and another side is that there's just not that much money here and Spain took it hard when we had the economical crisis back in 2008 around that time um, and it's been hard to move on from that time and now we've we're facing again another crisis economical crisis because of the pandemic situation so and some of the first things to get hit by that are almost always the entertainment business. And yeah, so so it is hard to find work and, and it's, it is a struggle for a lot of people, but it's not always, you know, I don't think that you should put that excuse up and say, oh, because it's so hard, I can never make it. You have to then figure out what are your strong sides what what are the things that you can contribute with and just try and turn it around to your own benefit somehow we hear a lot about you know creating your own opportunities to break in and you're a bit of a master at creating opportunities <laughs> so why don't we talk about that for a little bit yeah so yeah it's actually a good way to go into that now because what I was just saying about trying to look at even if you have a bad situation, like let's say uh, this pandemic situation, you can always try and think out of the box and see how can I utilize what's happening to my benefit. And you might not always come up with something. Maybe the situation is just completely hopeless, but it's always a good idea to at least try and, and look at it at different angles. And it's kind of what I chose to do with the pandemic so when we went into lockdown I was fortunate enough to keep my I have a day job so I work part-time uh, in an office and those are just four hours in the morning and I have an hour to go there you know my transportation and an hour back so that, those are actually two hours of my day that goes to just transportation all of a sudden because of lockdown I had to work from home and it gave me two extra hours a day so I got up at the same time in the morning. I didn't sleep in another hour. I got up at the same time as always. And I spent that one hour on being on social media and networking. 
And that's something that I just, I said to myself, okay, you complain about never having time to network and never have time to be on social media. Now is your time. And so that's the first thing I did. And it really truly did open up a lot of doors and it opened up especially to this group that both of us are part of, which is founded by Tina and Mahara on Facebook, the Entertainment Collaborators Group. And that just gave me a lot of uh, opportunities. And I realized at some point that there was opportunities within the group that we could sort of take advantage of because of the pandemic. So I realized that we were, it was a very international group. People were spread out all over the world, but there was just so much talent. I mean, there were so many people. This is a filmmaking group and there were people doing anything from, you know, directing to makeup, to editing, producing, sound, whatever, everything. And I thought, well, this is like having a huge film crew at your disposal. So I kind of pitched the idea to the group that we could make a short film and let's try to do it in remote. And that's what we did. So everyone was on board from the beginning and was very uh, excited and motivated to do this because I think at that time, you know, most of us were a little bit insecure and even maybe depressed about the future, what's going to happen and film productions were closing down in Hollywood and it was a very uncertain time. So having this what we called it in the beginning, little project <laughs> was something that could give you a little bit of motivation and having something that you could be passionate about. And that just kind of snowballed into a huge project with so many people on board. And every time there were just more and more people wanting to get involved with the project, which was amazing. And I think it really resonated with people because they saw that we didn't care that everything was shutting down. We didn't care there was a pandemic. We didn't care about insecurities and all that. We just powered through and said, we're going to do this. And people like that. You know, you, that's attractive. And I think that's, that's true for so many things. That's true for you on an individual basis as well. If you're trying to sell your project or you're trying to find that producer, or you're trying to attach someone to your project, showing that you're passionate and you're just going to power through and you don't care about limitations. And also trying to, just trying to be like an inspiration and motivate people. It's something that's really attractive and most people will respond well to that. So you know, it's like a smile. If somebody starts smiling, it's hard not to to smile back. And and it's kind of that thing. And I and that's what I really love about the group that we have on Facebook because it's a very very positive group. So a lot of people complain about social media because there are a lot of hateful comments, a lot of negativity, and it's not a nice place to be actually. And this group couldn't be. Further from that, it's all about supporting, motivating, inspiring, helping each other, trying not to be just so egoistic and looking at your, your own things, but also offer help to other people. And it's amazing to see how contagious that is. And once you start doing it, once you start offering your help to people, people will offer their help back to you, which is really how things work. So I think that's also a, a great 
lesson learned that if we all try to be more positive and supportive of each other, we're actually able to create really unique and amazing things together. That is such a beautiful way to look at it, especially in an industry that is so often based on competition and, you know, getting ahead of the other by any means necessary, going at it from a space of collaboration, which makes a lot more sense because you can't make a movie by yourself. Like movies by nature are collaborative. So if you go at the entire industry from that perspective, what you can create is absolutely amazing. Yeah, I mean, what you have to realize, um, especially when you're starting out and especially as a director, I guess, is you need other people to make your film. You can't do it by yourself. It's like you could cover a lot by yourself. You could, you know, edit, film it, um, do the sound, do this, do that. But you do need someone to be in front of the camera and you need someone behind the camera to press record. So at least you need that. And and. So, and the best thing is obviously to, to have a full crew. So filmmaking is all about collaboration and that's important for you to understand and for you to enjoy, I think. You know, it, you have to enjoy to work in a group and with other people. It's not always easy. And especially when you, the way we worked with people from all around the world, you do run into things like we all have different cultures, we all have different way of speaking or communicating. There's another thing, we also have different ways of um, having our industry depending on our country. You know, we don't all do as they do in Hollywood. Um, things might work differently in Spain or in Denmark or wherever you are than in Hollywood. So, and even the terminology can be different. What does this and that title mean in Hollywood compared to what it means in Spain? It might not mean the same thing. So there's a definitely, it's definitely easy to, to have a little bit of confusion there and, and have some struggle on just on like a human level. So you kind of have to enjoy working with people i think and realize that your film it making a film is not only about telling the story that you really want to tell it's also about enjoying the process and building relationships with these people that are on your film to ultimately help you to make this vision come alive that you had from the beginning that you and the and the writer in case there's a writer had from the beginning I think that's important. And through this project, you created an amazing opportunity, not just for yourself, but for everyone in the group that wanted to participate, which was amazing. But tell me a little bit about what opened, what doors did this open for you? Because it was an amazing opportunity you created. So what did you, aside from the project itself, what came out of it for you? Yeah, so I think, I mean, I take a lot of things from this project, obviously friendships and professional relationships that I have developed through the film. You get to know a lot of people and you get to see how they work and, and that's great. And also, like I said, friendships, obviously. And also doing it in remote was a, an amazing experience for me because it proved to me that you don't have to do everything out of Spain, for instance, 
I, I don't, I'm not limited to making films in Barcelona. I can pretty much make a film anywhere in the world. It's all about putting together your team and finding solutions. And then there were also just uh, things like new tools that I learned, new platforms, new ways of communicating, learning what works, what doesn't work. I thought there were just a lot of things that we tried out that was useful for the future that I take with me. And also finding out what doesn't work, you know, finding out like, okay, so you you work in this big group and you need to communicate with all these people from around the world and what platform is really the best one to do that and you have to kind of try out a couple of ones to see which one's the best and then so what i really really take with me from this is the fact that networking is so important so important to us as filmmakers and it's something that i think a lot of people kind of ignore and and they don't they don't think that it's so important, they have troubles doing it, or they don't quite know how to do it. They don't know where to look. It's overwhelming because there's so much social media. I mean, there's so many platforms out there. So how do I choose? I've had actors and actresses asking me, oh, Louise, I don't know. I want to delete some of my, my accounts, but I don't know which platforms to be at. So all I can say about that is <laughs> you almost need to be on all of them. And uh, you need to really use a substantial amount of your time to network and be on those social media platforms. That will open doors. Um, people will start contacting you. People you don't know will start writing you messages and asking you things. Sometimes they'll ask for help and you'll give it to them. Um, sometimes they just want to comment or they want to tell you that you inspired them to do something and and that's even an like that's motivating for you uh, to know that what you're doing other people see it and and they feel motivated to then go on and do their own projects and also like this film that we have completed now we just finished the film last week and uh, I popped my bottle of champagne and was very happy and relieved after <laughs> Oh, it's been more than half a year actually working on this and I have made this film also so that it can work as a calling card for me, which is another important thing for, for people who are looking for a career in, in the film industry that you obviously need to be able to show things and show what you have done. So that's what we call the calling card and <laughs> I have done a lot of short films in my career and I wouldn't really show any of them as a calling card because they have been on very different stages of my life and I've done them for various different reasons and I can tell you that the world keeps changing how things work. As a good example I can tell you that when I got out of film school um, it wasn't so important about the festivals nobody would send their short film on a festival. That was for the fiction feature films, you know? So there wasn't any platform called Film Freeway or any easy way for you as an indie filmmaker to send your films out. It was all about putting together your demo reel and being able to show producers that you had made things, not to win prizes. And that's something that has changed now. I'm not saying that you necessarily need to win a lot of prizes to break into the industry. But there is 
quite a lot of focus on festivals and a lot of things have been made easier for indie filmmakers to apply for festivals. And most, I think most people will go that way with their films, especially short films. They will try to do the festival circuit, which is something that we are also now doing um, for The Pill. It's obviously also a great way to further promote your film and for everyone involved. It's just, it's fun. It's nice if you get selected. And even if you win a prize, you know, you might even be able to win some money and, and just the, the honor of being selected is great. And also for, I guess, for the director, it's something that's kind of important, especially if it is a known festival. Otherwise it might not be so important but that's just to 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 explain that it's it's maybe a let's say something that has changed within the last 10 years i would say and and that's how it goes and so the world and the film business keep changing and you have to be aware of those changes and and what it is you have to do to optimize your your career and see where it is you have to be to to get to create the best opportunities for yourself right and so so that those are some of the things that i take with me from this project and and i know that just the just the networking that i have done through this project has opened up new doors with new collaborations and new people that i've met that i want to do projects with it's also actually opened a whole nother thing for me and that is i realized that i have a very good friend who i know back from uh, when I was in film school in Denmark and he has worked with his production company on commercials, especially in remote for the last couple of years. So he has a lot of experience in working in remote, but more from a commercial point of view. And now I have it with a fiction film. So we decided to, to, to try and put together um, an online course for people to go through the whole process and really kind of tell people what are the best tools and platforms and ways to put a project together. Because I think that this is going to be the future, not for all filmmaking, obviously we'll still do projects locally, but I do think that we have a new attitude to, to those ways that we have communicating um, online, using the online platforms and tools and ways of communicating, communicating the fact that you don't have to waste the whole afternoon on going to have a coffee with someone because you have to travel into the city and you have to decide on a cafe and a place and the person shows up late. And, you know, that, that's now um, something that I think will change a lot because we've realized how easy it is to do meetings on Zoom or any other platform, doesn't have to be Zoom. And that you actually gain a lot of time doing your meetings like that from your home. So yeah, so that, that, that's a positive thing I think that happened and I think that will be the future. Let's go back to the topic of festivals a little bit, because I know you did the festival circuit with your with your previous short film, and now you're doing it with this one. And I know we learned a big lesson there <laughs> in how to go about festivals. So I would love it if you share a little bit of that. Yes. Oh, my God. I would love to share that because I wish somebody had been there to hold my hand and tell me, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> Because what I did was was completely wrong. I I had a film. I had made a short film. I wanted to put it on festivals. And like I told you before, years ago, that wasn't really what you did. You just kind of used that film as your calling card or you put it into your demo reel or you put it on your website. And then so for me, it was kind of the first real 
time to try this whole festival circuit thing and and I didn't know too much about it so I was recommended actually by several people who might not know <laughs> too much about it just go for all the big ones you know print out that there's a list on uh, you can google um, and and it's a oscar qualifying list of festivals and it will basically list all the festivals that will qualify your film for an oscar nomination and and then just start submitting to all those festivals and i spent probably around 1500 euros which is a lot more in dollars can't tell you exactly how much but it, it's more <laughs> which was absolutely insane because that was pretty much the that was probably half of my budget to make the film so it makes no sense and i didn't have a marketing team or someone to help me to put together all of these things that you need for the festival so i was you know, doing my own trailer, doing my own press kit, uh, doing my own promotion, doing everything by myself. And it's so much work. You really need people to help you with that. The mistake in doing this is that you just blindly sent to all the biggest festivals and you have to realize what type of film you're sending. So not all festivals are the same. They're not looking for the same thing. And so your, so your question is going to be, how do I know what the festivals are looking for? Well, Really, as I see it, there are two ways. You can either do substantial research by yourself, which will take a very long time because pretty much going through all those festivals and go to their websites, watch the films from other years, maybe even reaching out to them. And that can take a long time. Another way to do it, the good thing about that is that it's free, <laughs> but Another way to do it is obviously to hire a festival consultant. And you have to be careful with that because I'm sure there are plenty of festivals consultants out there who pretend to be consultants, but they don't know too much about it. So initially you have to do a little bit of research about that person and make sure you get a good one who actually knows what they're talking about. In our case with the pill, we got help from the mentor of our, one of the mentors of our group who's called Kimberly Browning. She's amazing. I mean, I refer to her as a festival guru because she knows everything. She has so much inside information that you couldn't possibly know. You know, it, it and you can't even research yourself to that. It's things about what festivals are kind of in competition with each other. So you shouldn't apply for both of those festivals. You should apply for only one of them. Things like that, you, you can't know. That's inside information. But that's the kind of information that a festival consultant will have. And she or he will be able to make a strategy for you. So the person will be able to list all the festivals that will be good for your film because of the way your film has been done, because of the story, because of the theme, whatever. That person will be able to make a list of the festivals that will bring you most success. And that is important because it will save you money. You know, if, if I had consulted with Kimberly for my, my other film, I would not have spent 1,500 euros on festivals that never accepted me. I would probably have spent half or less and my film would have been accepted into festivals. So I know it sounds crazy for some filmmakers, they don't really wanna spend the money on a festival consultant, but if you wanna go on the festival circuit, I highly 
recommend it because you will save money doing it. So, so yeah, so that's definitely uh, my biggest advice to people who are starting out with maybe their first festival circuit. Another thing is that you must, if, if the consultant is not helping you with that, you must create a spreadsheet or any kind of way of organizing your festivals. So you have your list of festivals and you have to track them. You have to write their name, deadlines when they're coming up. You have to order them into that, you know, the order of the deadlines, write how much they cost the submission, if they have any special requirements, like what type of file they want from you, the film, for example, if you need a DCP or if you can just send them a normal uh, QuickTime movie, things like that. Also, you need to do a little bit of research of, um, you know, if it's a festival for, for women and they only accept female directors, then if you're a, a male director, don't send your film there because <laughs> it's not going to be accepted. So things like that. Or, you know, if they're only looking for sci-fi films, then don't send your comedy drama to, to that festival. But anyway, so have a, a spreadsheet where you simply list all the information of all the festivals and you can put in to that list and, and mark all the festivals when you have submitted to them and you mark down your answer or the answer that comes back from them and you just kind of keep track on the whole thing and you can also keep track on how much money you really spend and you can stop it at some point you know you can say i'm gonna i'm gonna submit to festivals until i get to 500 i don't want to spend more than 500 okay well then you know with your spreadsheet you know once you've gotten to that $500 limit, then that's it. You're going to stop the, the circuit. So I think that's very valuable. And if you have people to, to help you out doing that, then it's a good idea to maybe share it somewhere like on Google Drive and everyone can access it and put in information. Also, a good thing is to put in the information about the director and the programmers and the email in case you submit. Like in our case, we submitted a, a work in progress. So you can also do that if you have a film that it's just about to finish and you know that you are going to finish it within a certain deadline, you can send the festivals a work in progress. You really have to specify that to them, that it is a work in progress. Also specify exactly what is, what is missing. So um, you might put, it's not a locked picture, missing sound and color and music, for example. And then you must, of course, contact these people and tell them when you have the finished film and you will upload the finished film to the to your film freeway account. But you need to inform them because they're not going to notice that you have changed all of a sudden the link <laughs> or the film. So you have to obviously inform them that now they can view the finished film. So and that's again, it's good to keep track on those things. Awesome. So that was one big lesson. What have been some of the other big lessons you've picked up throughout your career? Well, I mean, I know I talk a lot about networking right now, um, but I really think and I know that the, your your previous episode with Eric Brodier, you also spoke a lot about networking, but I think it's so great because I think it's something that is somehow forgotten sometimes or ignored or people don't tend to put too much effort into and you really have to realize that it's such a big thing in our industry it's everything you know you don't necessarily have to be super talented to get a job in some big film production 
if you know someone in that production, you can most likely get the job. I mean, that's how it works sometimes. And also, you know, people talk about, oh, but how can I get my pitch into this and that producer? I can tell you that I'm developing right now a concept for a series. And um, I have it with one of the one of the top biggest producers in Denmark. I'm working with her on that now. And you know how I got it in? You know how I got <laughs> my idea to that producer? I just networked myself into getting her email address. And that's how it is. It was through a Facebook group of women in film in Denmark. And I just started talking about my project and who I was. And I was ready to network and talk to people, connect, help other people. Don't make this networking thing. It cannot be with an approach of I want, 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 you know, it, it, it's not a taker thing. It's a giver thing. You have to approach it with and you have to be sincere about it as well. You have to be a giver that's ready to help and support other people and give them feedback. And then you'll see that, like I said before, people usually respond very well and positive with that. And they will give the same back to you. And so just doing kind of doing that, the one of the persons that I spoke to about this project was an actress. And she said, why don't you try and talk to this producer? Because, you know, I, I can see her producing this. This would be something that she might be interested in. And I got her email address and I just, you know, send a cold email to the producer. And she responded to me. And you have those, those, uh, situations you have sometimes sometimes though they won't answer you because they're too busy they have too much going they don't know who you are a cold email like that it or the secretary will see it and will respond to it and say no she's not interested but like so many other people before me have said <laughs> you know out of a hundred no's there might be or out of a hundred mm, emails or approaches or trying to talk to someone might get one that replies to you and what an amazing opportunity that will be for you so it's it's all about trying and not being afraid to talk to people and to just not be don't be obnoxious don't be unpolite you know approach it with a very polite and positive attitude and be short and specific and I'm absolutely sure that sometimes you get a response and sometimes you will be able to build on that so I can't stress enough how important it is to be networking, but be networking in a good way, in a good, positive, motivating, inspiring way. Um, take it as a opportunity to also give other people your help and your support. And in that way, you will make relationships and, and connections. There is another thing maybe that I can say that I think I have learned from, and that's again, a little bit to do with networking. And it's the place, if you choose to go, for example, to a film school, I never did the, the four years film school, the official film school of Denmark. I went to a very international school in Denmark. It only took one year, but it was very intensive because it's like a campus. So you'd live at the school and pretty much work like 24 hours a day on film it was a great experience and it was with people from all over the world but what happened was that I moved away from Denmark and so I had already made loads of contacts in Denmark 
and in Copenhagen. Uh, and I moved away from that. And I kind of did the same thing in New York. <laughs> so I studied in the New York and I made a lot of contacts there. And then I moved away from, because I couldn't, I didn't have permission to stay there. So I had to go back. And so if I can make a little, or I can give a little advice to people who are like completely new and starting out, if they want to go to film school, that is a great way also to get contacts. So it's not only about what you learn in the school, it's also that you will form a network of people who are like you and who are hungry for making films and who will most likely afterwards help you to make some short films and you will help them. But it's really no use if you after that want to move away and be in a different location, right? So that's something that I would have wanted to, to think a little bit about when I was young to maybe say, okay, the place where I would like to live, which you don't always know when you're young, but <laughs> but try and, and structure it a little bit and, and try and figure out what, where do I think I will end up. So that's probably the best place to do my film school or my like main um, networking and making contacts. And then <laughs> I would also say something that I have only learned recently, and that is becoming a film director or a producer or anything in the film industry is a struggle. It's hard. It's, it takes a lot of time and effort and work and patience. And it's not like you can go to film school and say, okay, I did film school. Now I'm a film director. So let, you know, now the jobs will, will come knocking on my door. No, that's not how it works. It works for other businesses like that doesn't work for the film industry and that is why there are so many different ways of reaching your goal whatever that goal might be you know it can be anything it doesn't have to be going to hollywood and win an oscar it, your your goals can be very different but just remember that there are so many different ways of getting there and i know it's 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 annoying to hear but you must enjoy the journey i wish i had done that more because I have been very hard on myself and it, it has been a big struggle. And I think Barcelona has made it hard for me um, in many aspects. And I just kind of wish that some of the projects and some of the work that I have done, that I could have enjoyed it a little bit more and not punished myself for, you know, oh, this is not good enough or this is not bringing me to where I want to be. And with the years, as you get older, you start punishing yourself for not having reached those goals that when you were a little girl, you said that, oh, by 25, I have already won my first Oscar and, you know, like these crazy goals. Or you set these deadlines internally and say, oh, by this and that age, I want to have done this and that. And, and it's kind of the same thing when I hear people say, uh, young people say, oh, when I grow up, I want to I wanna have a house and I have this car and I want to have two kids, one boy, one girl. And you're like, please, I mean, that's just not realistic. <laughs> you know, you can't be so greedy about life. You have to appreciate what comes, what comes to you and try to enjoy that journey. Try to see it all as a learning experience. And, and then I will say, you have to be patience and persistence you can't give up in this business you can't it doesn't matter how old you get and how old you feel and 
how stupid you feel that you're still not where you want it to be. You just have to be persistent and keep going. That would be my big <laughs> advice to people. And that's really the key, isn't it? Because, you know, it can take however long it has to take and everybody has their own journey and their own timing. And, but the ones that, per, that persevere and don't give up, they're the ones that make it at, at, some t- at some point. It doesn't matter if it's sooner or later. So that's yeah. really great advice. I wanted to ask you before I let you go, one last thing. When you mentioned your, the call emails you sent, how did you go about that? Because, you know, a lot of people, especially producers and people that have the power to make films and series come, come true, a lot of the time they say, we don't accept unsolicited materials. And that has to do with legal things, right? So how did you go about that cold email? What did you say? What did you include that got you that, you know, a step further in that connection? Yeah, I don't remember word for word my email, but I know that it has definitely been somewhat short email. And I also had the advantage of actually being referred from this actress that I told you about. And this actress, I, again, met by coincidence in one of the the Facebook groups uh, that I was in. And I was talking about my project and she reached out and we had a couple of conversations on on email. And that's when when the producer's name came up and she said, oh, I think you should go for her because she's looking for that kind of material. And and so then I could refer back to that actress when I when I wrote to the producer and said, you know, hi, I'm, my name is this and that, and uh, I'm a film director, and I'm currently trying to develop this concept for an anthology series. And I was just talking to, trying to make relations. I told her I'm trying to establish relations in Denmark because I'm Danish, but I live in Spain. I'm kind of missing that connection with Denmark and I would like to establish some more contacts in Denmark and have be able to do projects in Denmark. So I would be willing to fly back and forward. And uh, I just recently spoke to, and then I mentioned the actress name and I said, she suggested that I write you an email because you might be interested in this type of project and then I suppose I have just like very briefly told her what the project was I have might even I think maybe I sent her a one pager so a one pager would just be well as it says a one page (laughs) of kind of outlining your your idea and your project can have maybe a couple of photos and just a little bit of explanation about the project and that's it and she responded well to that and she might as well have said to me, no, sorry, I'm not interested. Or that email could have gotten to her secretary who could have stopped it and said, no, I'm sorry, we don't take unsolicited uh, projects. But I was lucky. She read her own email and it was something that resonated with her. And since then it has developed into actually a quite different direction. And I have been very open to that. And uh, it's something that we have kind of done together and developed it to the point where it is now. So... Yeah, I think a good thing right now, right now is that platforms, streaming platforms, they are looking for content (laughs) and they are looking for content around the world. So it doesn't really matter where you're based at. And they are much more open now to diverse stories, local stories, stories that we may not 
tend to see that often on the big screen. So that's really good. And that's good for, for indie filmmakers as well. Uh, it means you probably have better chance of getting in and getting your story heard. And yeah, and that's why, you know, do the networking, go on LinkedIn, go on Facebook, Instagram, go join Clubhouse and listening in to other professionals and make your relationships there and write them afterwards on Instagram saying, hey, I loved your talk, da 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 at the end of the day, networking is not so much about pitching your project, which it can also be, you know, sometimes you need to have that pitch ready and you need to be able to quickly tell them about your project, but you need to form relationships with people because humans, we're social. We like that actually. And, you know, and especially if we have something in common, if you can find someone who you know, you have some, you know, some big producer, you really want to get in contact with them. If you do a little bit of research and you realize that they have something in common with you, maybe you enjoy the same sport, maybe you collect the same, I don't know, stamps or whatever, something that you can connect with them. That is a way of approaching that person first and start out by talking about those things and just form that human relation. It's all about human contact. It's so important. And then they will be much more open to listening to you and, and listening to what you have to say about your project. So it's something that has to be, it's not always something you can do from one day to the other. And uh, a cold email not, might not always be the right thing to do. So you have to kind of evaluate each situation and see what is the best approach and then yeah, work that relationship. Yeah, developing meaningful and intentional relationships. That's the key, making them intentional. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today, for giving us your time and all of the amazing wisdom you gathered throughout the years. It was great to talk to you. Yeah. So thank you so much. Thank you, Savi. It was fun being here and really looking forward to celebrating this online party we have for our film, The Pill. So if anyone is interested, they can always go on Facebook and find us. And um, we'll be doing that on March 6th. So anyone can join and just kind of, you know, we'll be the whole team there and we can talk more about the whole process. So if anyone is interested in that, then they should definitely join. So yeah, thank you, Savi. Absolutely. Links for the Facebook group will be available on the show notes. So everybody can check that out. Join us again next month on another Real Talk Secrets to Success to learn all the top tips from industry insiders. Until next time.